So uh, wait what? This is week five. We're in Luke chapter 17, um, and we'll be in verses 11 through 19. Before we read it, I need to confess something to you so that I can preach this morning with a, uh, a, a whole heart, fully committed to the Lord. I'm not withholding anything, no secret sins. So I'm going to confess something to you. I'm going to ask that you would hold on to it with honor and don't spread rumors about me. I'm bearing my soul, okay? I don't, I don't do and never have done well with thank you notes, ever. Anybody with me? Okay, so uh, now I, I'm just like, I can remember my mom, she's like, Paul, write the thank you notes. I'm like, ah, oh, I, I hated doing it. You know, and she would always, she didn't say like, write them and leave it up to me to address them, stamp them. I had to write them, show her I'd written them. She helped me put them in envelopes, send them, the whole thing. So, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're sending a thank you note to somebody that you really don't even know, even though they're in, you're in your family, right? I mean, you, you think you should know them. You kind of recognize a face. You know stories. You've heard your parents talk about them, but you don't really know them. Like, what do you put down? Like, thanks for the gift. Paul. I just never did well with it, Never. Even to this day, just the thought of thank you notes, right? And so I've passed that along to my kids, who um, also are probably not the best at thank you notes. Um, so can I just say this? If you've ever in your life given me something, thank you. <laughs> just wanted to get that right out of the way, right? Does anybody else want to clear their conscience and just say a group thank you as well before we, before we move on? Um, Listen, I get it, like we're tired, we're busy, we don't want to do all that kind of stuff, but um, man, this morning we're going to read in Luke 17, 11 through 19, we're going to read about 10 people, nine of those people, what we're going to see, they all struggled with thank you notes, okay? One of them didn't, all right? So that's where we're going to be this morning, nine out of 10 are going to struggle with thank you notes. Now, there are a lot of words that we could use to describe a person who doesn't say thank you. And I, the reason I'm saying all this is because you might be thinking some of those words about me. Like, I've heard spoiled. You know, like people think, you know, they're spoiled because you didn't say thank you. Um, I, I would say sometimes we can think we're lazy, um, forgetful. Is that a fair one to say? But I, this morning, I'm going to use a word um, that all of you probably heard before. And I'm going to use it to describe these nine people, and I, I fully get that as I use it to describe those nine people, I'm probably also using it to describe me in some capacity, which is why we need to hear the challenge from the Word of God, right? These are the wait what chapters, and for me, this is it. It's like, wait, if I'm going to say this about these nine people, then the Word is clearly a mirror for me. Now, I don't know for you. I can't speak for you. I don't want to preach to you to see the the mirror of the word, I think you will. I think that, that this will challenge us, okay, just just a little bit. The word I'm going to use is entitlement. <gasps> oh. These nine men were entitled, and that's why they responded the way that they did. Um, entitlement receives the gift but rejects the giver. That's your big idea. So if you're taking notes on that awesome, fancy, full-color note sheet on your chair, that's what you want to write in the big idea box. Entitlement receives the gift but rejects the giver, okay? We'll break this down as we go through the, the story. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. This is what Jesus, what's written. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, 
crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Let's just pause there for a second. Why were they standing at a distance? Because in that culture, if you had leprosy or any kind of infectious skin disease, you had to separate yourself from everybody else. If this was during that time and one of you came in with um, some nasty skin disease that was looking kind of white or whatever, and nobody quite knew what it was, we'd go, oh, you're a leper. And we would actually, in our church, if we even let you in the door, we would have a special leper seating section. They were not allowed to be around other people. Not only that, but if they came walking down the road, they were actually required to ring a bell and holler out the words, unclean, 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 so that you had plenty of time to get your kids away from them. So these ten men are standing at a distance because that's the only place that they could stand. They weren't allowed to approach people because they believed if I touch a leper, I become unclean as well. Side note, there's another story in the gospel where Jesus healed a leper, but what he did first was he touched him. That's the God that I serve. He's not afraid of your uncleanliness messing him up. He touches you when you're unclean, and then he fixes you and heals you. Okay, back to the story. I've shared this with a few of you when, um, you know, when you're a youth pastor for as long as I was. You have so many great stories. In one of my very first youth groups, I was teaching on, on, on this passage, and I was talking about leprosy, you know, and, and like, you know, when you have leprosy, like, like you would just kind of things, you would lose parts of your body. It's called leaving yourself behind, right? It's really important. And so I, as we're talking, I'm telling a story about how they had to, like, go through and yell unclean, 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 and how, what would that be like, you know? And I just, one middle school boy, there's always that one kid, right? And he raised his hand. I'm like, yeah, Tony, what, what's up? And he goes, well, um, what would he do if his lips fell off? I went, unclean, unclean. That's what he would do. Like, that's, you have to holler that out. You got to holler that out. You got to let them know you're coming. So these 10 people, one, what is their life like? Lonely. The only people they hang out with are lepers. They have leper colonies, right? And these 10 men, they call out to Jesus. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Verse 14. He looked at them and said, go show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Woo! One of them. I felt like I was all alone in my, woo, whatever. You're going to learn to rejoice over healing, okay? One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. Or in India, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Everybody say, boo. Rebel. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Uh, three, three observations, okay? If you're taking notes, these are the ones that you're going to want to write down. I wasn't quite sure how to, how to make this first point makes sense, okay? But um, follow this with me, okay? If entitlement re receives the gift but rejects the giver, then gratitude allows the gift to point to the giver. 
Okay, that's the first thing. Now these three these three points are all going to be about gratitude. I don't want to talk about entitlement. Entitlement is ugh. let's talk about the opposite, which is gratitude. Gratitude allows the gift to point to the giver. Listen, we see ten lepers all receive the same healing, but with very different responses. So why does entitlement receive the gift but reject the giver? And this is really important. And this is like an ouch moment, okay? Because the entitled person really believes that they deserve it. So for an entitled person, the giver is secondary. I mean, the worst person on the planet could have healed those lepers, and none of them would have been like, awesome. I don't know what took so long. We've deserved it our entire lives. Something's wrong with the rest of the world for not recognizing it, but now we have what we needed. And who it came through was secondary for them because they believed that they actually deserved the healing. If we're entitled, we'll focus on the gift. And so these nine lepers focused on the gift. They Listen, they deserved the healing more than they believed they needed the healer. Some of you might want to write that down. These nine people, when they, they were entitled, they believed that they deserved the healing more than they needed the healer. So they didn't come back. They just needed a little bit of help. They didn't need a total healing. But for the one, the one that came back, the one that came back and fell at Jesus' feet and said, thank you, for that one the healing was secondary to the healer. Gratitude allows the gift to point to the giver. I, I um, was running the other day, and I was listening to a message by Bill Johnson, and it's just perfect timing. I love when, when God does that. And um, he was talking about how signs point. You never, never forget that signs point to something, right? And so a healing... For these nine, for these ten, the healing was a sign that was intended to point them to who? The healer. And so nine of them, and I love how Bill Johnson said it, he's like, you would never, you would never load your family up in a car to go to a restaurant and see the sign and then turn around and go back. The sign says, go in and eat. Like, this is where you were headed. It points to something. So entitled people, like, they just see the sign, that's it. Well, that's what I deserved the whole time. But the sign points to something, and gratitude allows the gift to point to the giver. Can I even say this? You've seen this at work in your own lives. Now, listen, if you've ever received a bad gift from a good person, you know what I'm talking about, right? Now, these men didn't receive a bad gift. I mean, healing's good, right? When you're, especially when you're a leper. Healing's super good. Like, their entire world changed. Entire world. They're like, can you just imagine... They're touching each other, like they're touching people. They're just walking, like throwing the bells away. Their entire life just changed. So they, they received a good gift. But knowing the giver changes our response to the gift. Quick story, just to make sure you get the illustration. I, I believe it was Christmas, and um, Sydney was much, much younger, and she had bought her presents for the family at like the, at school where you could buy stuff in the store and it was cheap, you know, like student pricing or whatever. She might have been second grade. Anyway, I'll, 
I'll never forget opening this present that she bought for me. My daughter picked this out just for me. And I opened it so excited, so, so very, very excited. And it was a book. My daughter, she knows I love to read. I love to read. She gave me a book, and I pulled it out. And as I pulled it out, I'm, I'm looking at the title, and it was called How to Be a Better Dad. Thank you. Let's just wrap that back up and put it on the shelf, right? But she was, I mean, she's old enough now to go like, that's funny. But at the time, it was like, he's the best dad ever. I just want to give him a book. It's about being good dads because he's a good dad. Kind of a bad gift, kind of a funny gift, but from because of who it came from, loved the gift. See, when you're entitled, you don't think like that. You don't even want to know the giver. Just give me the gift. I'm not going to write you a thank you note for it because I deserve it. And listen to this. Follow this with me. If you think you deserve good things from God, it's because you think that you're good. And if you think that you're good, then weakness is bad, and all you really need is a little bit of help from Jesus to get you back on the road and, th- and follow this to the logical, the logical end. If that is true, then the less help you need from God, the better you think you are. He didn't come and down a cross to give you a little help. He came to give you total healing, total transformation. Me, total transformation. It's not helping us a little bit. He's saving us a lot. So the one man came back. By the way, Sydney, I love the book. Thank you so much. And I am a better dad. Yes. So he came back. The, leper, the one leper comes flying back to Jesus, right? So this is um, how did he respond, verses 15 and 16. It says this. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. So Gratitude, it allows the gift to point to the giver, but then gratitude fuels a worship that breaks the rules. Now, some of you are natural-born rebels, Mel. Sorry, I had something stuck in my throat. Mel. (laughs) Some of us, I mean, we are just natural-born. So when you read this, you're like, yes, this is my point. I get to break the rules, right? So let's just talk through. I just want you to get what really happened here, okay? So there's ten lepers, and they're going to they're going to see the priest, and all ten of them get healed. Now follow this in verses 15 through 16. Here's what happened when they to the one person who when he was touched by Jesus when he was healed. He came back because the touch of Jesus changes our plans. One of the things that I love about my wife is that she was raised Baptist. Any Baptist in the house? Not anymore. Any former Baptist in the house? <laughs> former Baptist in the house. You're like, yes. Both hands. But when he was raised Baptist, and let me say this, she was raised as a fully discipled Baptist. I mean, she knew 
She knew doctrine. She knew scripture. She knew it better than I did. When she met me, and I was in seminary, she knew it better than I did. We would have discussions about the Bible and about things that would happen in crazy Pentecostal churches, and I would give her the crazy Pentecostal answer, and she would give me scripture, right? That's how it went. That's how, that's how our relationship went for quite some time. It was pretty awful, um, <laughs> but also good, right? And I'll never forget this. She told me one time we had been to, we'd been to a, a church service, and, um, you know, like, Somebody had done the whole, like, thus says the Lord thing. and I mean, that's actually called prophecy. I'm not making light of that because that's a true gift of the Spirit. But in that service, it was kind of like, you know, you've been, maybe you've been in these services. Like, if it gets quiet for more than five seconds, somebody's going to have a word. You know, like, it was just one of those things. Always the same person. And it just, for her, felt very um, eh, shallow, hollow, like maybe not God. And we got in the car, and, and we're having a discussion, right? And here's what she said. I'll never forget it. Just think about what I just said. The touch of Jesus changes our plans. And here's what she said. What was that? What was what? <laughs> you know, that whole, that says the Lord thing. Oh, and I, and I got my whole, like, seminary pastor. I was like, oh, well, that's a prophecy. Like, that's going to fix it, right? <laughs> Husbands in the house are like, yeah, I see where this is going. You're a fool, right? Um. And she's like, so prophecy, like, that's God speaking to us? I was like, she's getting it. She's getting it. Baptist girl getting it. What? And I was like, yeah, that's God speaking to us. And she said, shouldn't it change things? <laughs> I guess. Probably. Her point was this. If we believe that prophecy is God interrupting the service to speak his word to the church, why are we just going on with the service as normal? Shouldn't it change us? Shouldn't we at least stop for a moment and ask, does anybody else receive that? Instead of it just being another thing you do in the order of Pentecostal service. My wife gets this one leper. He was touched by God. And it changed his plans. He came back. He came back. Can I just say, some of your lives would be drastically different if you would simply let the touch of God stop you and change your plans. He praised God. The touch of Jesus changes our worship. Now, this entire second point is going to feel like I'm meddling in your life because I am. The touch of Jesus should change your worship. Here's one way it should change our worship. He praised God. I'm just reading you the verses. I didn't write the Bible. This is all him. In a loud voice. Now, I again, I'm saying it all, say it all the time. I'm an introvert. I get it. Like, you know, don't make me say anything with a loud voice because if I say something with a loud voice, people will notice me and then I'm going to have a panic attack and you know, all that stuff, and I get it, you know. But, again, like I'm saying this with all humility because this is my life. I think this way. I don't, I don't want to get up here after worship and lead you. I just Let me just get in a corner somewhere and hang out with Jesus. But if I'm just staying quiet because I'm anxious, then that's not going to honor God because he says clearly in Philippians to be anxious for nothing, right? So this man who was used to standing in a corner at a distance Yelling, the only thing he yelled loudly was unclean, so he's definitely not wanting to get people's attention. Hey, look at me, I'm a leper. But he came back, and he worshiped in a loud voice. Words are in the Bible for a reason. 
Luke didn't have to put that in there under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but he did. Can I just say this? Whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, whether you are a, you know, I, I'm, you might be a touchdown Jesus worshiper. I'm more like land the plane. You know, however you do it. I mean, some of you are like barely out of my pocket. Yeah, I mean, however you do it, can I just say this and sum it all up for all of us? The touch of Jesus should change your intensity. You might not be the loud person. But we should be the most intense worshipers on the planet if we've been touched by Jesus. You can't be touched by Jesus and still be a sideline spectator to the worship of the God who touched you. It's not possible. This man came back. He praised God in a loud voice. I love this. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. So I'm going to say the touch of Jesus changes our position, right? He didn't stand up equal with Jesus and like shake his hand. Thank you so much for that touch. He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He changed his posture. He humbled himself before a greater power. And he thanked him. The touch of Jesus changes our focus. Giver versus the gift. Gratitude versus entitlement. Can I just say this? Some of you need to and some of you are beginning to have a gratitude-fueled worship experience. You know what I'm thinking is going to happen? Because I feel it every Sunday. I'm, I'm standing on the front. And I know y'all just watch. I hope you don't watch me during worship. But, like, I'm standing on the front row. And I just kind of get lost. And eventually I open my eyes and I'm, I'm here, right? I mean, or I'm over here. I mean, God forbid I'm, like, back there somewhere. But I'm just, in, I'm just worshiping Jesus. And at some point, I feel it behind me. Some of you are in your seats and you're worshiping Jesus. And here's what's happening in your head. I've got to move. I've got to, I, gotta, I can't stay here. But I don't know if I can go to the front. Uh, well, I mean, I don't, can I be loud? Yes, and yes, and yes. Like you can let your worship match your gratitude for what Jesus has done in your life. You need to stop worrying about what's right or proper or dignified, and you need to allow the presence of God to override that and let the passion of your worship rise up to the same level as your gratitude for the gift. So gratitude fuels a worship that breaks the rules, and that's good, okay? Now, wouldn't it be great if it ended there? Do you ever read stories in the Bible or teachings of Jesus, and you get to that one point, and you're like, that's it, I'm done. But he's not. Don't you, don't you love and hate that? If it ended there, we'd all be like, cue the band, play us a song. We'd all come to the front, hands in the air, just jump all around the place, go crazy. But he continued. Jesus asked in verse 17, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Jesus made two important observations as we close this out. Nine people were missing, and the one who came back was a Samaritan. So we're going to put this third point on because I want you to see that gratitude reveals entitlement. Yes, I know what I did with the words. Gratitude reveals entitlement. Gratitude in others 
will reveal entitlement in you and me. If all of us had the same level of gratitude, meaning like hardly any, then nobody really stands out, right? But boy, when somebody starts to get thankful for what God has done in their lives, have you ever been on the other side of that? Like you see somebody just suddenly, man, they're thankful. Wow. God's really touching them. Whew. Huh. It's almost, it's almost like you start faking it because you realize how ungrateful you look. And that's not, he doesn't do that to shame us. Like, he's not shaming us. I'm not shaming us. I'm just saying, that's just reality. I used to tell teenagers all the time in my youth group, listen, when you really get lit on fire by Jesus, your friends at school that are going to blow hell wide open, they're not the ones that are going to tell you to calm down. It's the people sitting in this room. They'll be like, Pipe it down. Don't go crazy. If those other lepers had come back, they'd have been like, dude, don't get up. Just get up. Shh. Not so loud. Gratitude in others reveals entitlement in us. What I want you to see is this insider-outsider thing. He was a Samaritan, which means in that culture he was an outsider. I believe this that Jesus pointed out that a Samaritan came back when the Jews did not. Now, listen, they weren't bad Jews because there were nine lepers. Those of the nine lepers were Jews. They weren't bad Jews. As a matter of fact, we could say this. They were obeying Jesus because he told them to go show themselves to the priest. So they're going to do what Leviticus 13 required of them, which was if you've got leprosy and you're cleansed, go show yourself to the priest, and then he'll say, yes, you're cleansed, and you pay him an offering, and you're good. You can go get touched by people again. Like, if I was a leper, I would high-five everybody leaving that priest place, right? I'd, be like, I'd leave the temple and be like, what's up? High-fives all around. I'm clean. I'm clean. High-five. So they're just doing what Jesus said. He said, go show yourself to the priest. They're not bad people. But they didn't come back because, listen, I believe this. I think entitlement is more and more of a danger for those of us who are insiders. The longer that we do what we think God wants us to do, the more we think we deserve whatever he's going to give us. As if somehow we earned gifts from God because we were faithful. If you were here last week, the very last thing Jesus said in verse 10 of Luke 17 was, so also with you, when you have done what you've done, we should say we're just unworthy servants. We've only done our duty. Somehow we believe the longer that we're in this, oh, God, I, I've been serving you since I was a senior in high school, God. I mean, that's five years or a few more. I mean, how much have I earned in, those, in that time, God? And you should pay me that. I'm, I, I'm entitled to that. I'm entitled to the blessings of God because I've earned it. Do you know how many Sundays I've given up an hour, God, when I could have done it, something else with that hour? Cumulatively speaking, let's add up all the years, God. You owe me a lot of hours of blessing. 
The longer that we're in this, the easier it is to get entitled. And you know what I, what I pray? Man, I pray all the time, God, give us outsiders who get blown up and transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit because their gratitude will challenge us to remember that we don't deserve anything. It's given to us as a gift from a gracious God. And when we get full of gratitude like that, we'll become the leper who comes back and we'll throw ourselves at Jesus' feet. People will walk in and go, I don't know what's happening, but something's happening in here. Gratitude reveals entitlement. Like those nine lepers, if we're not careful, we will do the right thing but miss the giver. My prayer is for new blood and new transformations in this body that would just respond to God out of a heart of gratitude. Man, I didn't deserve that, God. I was doing all the right things. I'm even doing what you told me to do, and then you touched me, and I just had to come back. And say thank you. So where where are you? As we wrap this up, let me ask you a question. I love I love one to ten scales. So if entitlement is one and gratitude is ten, where are you this morning? Can I just submit to all of us, myself included, if we're not pegging like nine and a half, ten, ten and a half, maybe fifteen? Something's missing. And no amount of amazing worship, no amount of amazing preaching will ever fix that. Because that's a heart thing. And until we realize that, we'll pick everything else apart. Because we're entitled to a better experience. No, you're not. No, you're not. What you need is a total transformation. And that comes from Jesus. We are full of amazing people in this church who are on their way doing what Jesus said to do. But I'm telling you, when he touches you, I'm praying that that touch of Jesus changes your plans, changes your worship, changes your intensity, changes everything about how we live. Because it's not about doing the right thing. It's about being touched by Jesus being willing to break a rule now and then, break protocol. I'm praying that this morning you and I would become more like the foreign Samaritan who actually, what's funny to me is there's a verse, I read it last week as I was prepping for the message, Psalm 105.1. This is a verse that the Jewish lepers would have known because they would have gone to school. Like, you know how like you learn stuff in school and you don't want to know it, but you learn it and you can't ever forget it like English? Dude, seriously, like there's just things that you learn in school and like you don't, you don't want it. Like it's not like you, I didn't want to be really good at English, which is probably good because I'm not. But, you know, I, you don't go like I'm going to school because I want to be the best math student ever. But you learn things in school because you're in that environment. And so these Jewish lepers, before they were lepers, they would have been in school. They would have been hearing this psalm that I'm going to read to you. They would have heard this. They would have known this. The Samaritan, not so much because the Samaritans didn't go to Jewish schools, right? Oil, water, not mixing. Psalm 105.1 says this, Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. The nine who knew that didn't do it. 
The one who didn't know it, did it. That's what that leper did. He did that. He, he gave thanks to the Lord and proclaimed his greatness. And don't you know, we don't know what happened after verse 19. All we know is Jesus said, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. I don't know what that means about the other nine. We don't know where they went. We don't even know where this one went. But I, I, I'm willing to stake my claim in this, that that one leper stood up and went and told somebody. I'm pretty sure he was like, he was handshaking, high-fiving every, he was like, we don't have to do, no, we don't do that. We can actually shake hands, right? You don't have to be, I know you're a germaphobe, but you can touch me, I'm clean. I think he told everybody. I think it transformed his life. And I want to challenge you with this. Would you do that? Would you simply give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness? His greatness. And sometimes the best thing that we can do, and I've been in seasons, have you ever been there where you're like, I think I should be more grateful than I am, but I'm just not feeling it? Like, I don't know how it works in your house, but we feel that way on laundry day. You know, I mean, like, we'll say stuff like, I, I guess we should be thankful that we have kids and they get clothes dirty, and we get to wash like a million loads every Tuesday and Thursday. <sighs> I'm just so tired. So We get it, right? We get it. But sometimes on those days, the best thing you can do, I mean, hopefully as the laundry's going, and start the load, <laughs> sit down, and just start to remember what God's done for you. You know, for, for Wendy and I, it's like we had these conversations like, oh, this laundry is, oh, we ha- like some people have a laundry room because that's where they do laundry. We have laundry room because if you open the door, that's laundry. Like you just see it. Oh, wow. This is the laundry room. It even smells like it. You know, just so many clothes. And sometimes we would just have this conversation. You know, you remember the seven years we tried to have kids and couldn't? <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, it's so quiet. We, we got to hang out a lot together. Know what I mean? That's <laughs> fantastic. <clears throat> okay, so <laughs> we're on the same. All right, well, let's, let's leave that there. But we remember what God did and how he touched her body and how he gave us a word, both the same word in two different locations, that at this time next year you will have a son. So since he gave me the word and he gave her the word, we had two sons, right? We remember that. And if we hadn't had that, we wouldn't be doing laundry. But because we're doing laundry, we can grumble about that. But we'd rather remember the greatness of God. Do that. I'm going to pray for you this morning. I'm going to encourage you to do that, man. Today, find some time today. I mean, take your nap, do all that stuff, you know. But sometime after you've had your nap, man, take some time and remember what he's done for you. Be the leper. That remembers how he touched you. I was telling, um, I was telling the, some on the worship team this morning, um, I'm telling you way more than you need to know about me probably, but sometimes on Sunday mornings I, I wake up early and I get on our, our Vimeo channel for our church, and I look at all the back screenshots just to make sure I don't wear the same shirt twice. <laughs> I mean, twice in a row. I wear it more than once, but twice in a row. And so, um, so this morning I was, I was doing that, but as I was looking back, I was just remembering all the good things that God has done in our church. I was looking at um, those of you that gave your testimonies for under construction. Um, I saw Jerry's testimony. I just, I just was looking at these, and I was like, God, um, wow. Like, in spite of all the times I see me preaching, look what you're doing here. 
and I was just full of gratitude. It's hard to remember what God has done and walk away entitled. I just tend to walk away so actually more like amazed, right? Like really, sometimes like despite our best efforts to screw it up, look what God's doing, right? He's, it's amazing his ability to grow a church. We say all the time he grows a church no matter how poorly we swing the hammer. And he's so faithful. I would challenge you today to do Psalm 105.1. That would be the way you should live this message out. Give thanks to the Lord and proclaim his greatness. Uh, if you're here this morning, um, I want you to close your eyes real quick. I'm going to pray for you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. Um, maybe you're here and, you know, on that 1 to 10 scale, gratitude is 10 and entitlement's 1, and you find yourself like, you know, and it could just be a bad day. And it, look, Jesus understands bad days, right? He doesn't have them, but he understands them. And so maybe today you're like, geez, Paul, why didn't you ask me that last week? I would have said 8, but you asked me today and I have to say 2, right? But if you're, you know, if you're, Today you're hearing like, well, I mean, my number was lower than I want it to be. Can I just pray for you? Can you just raise your hand and say, that's me? I, man, I want to be more grateful. I don't want to be as entitled. I can't even see you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Just hands. Say, that's me. Um, we're just going to pray for you. Is that cool? We're going to pray that God today just overwhelms you with his goodness and his love and how he's touched you. And that it would change how you worship. It would change how you respond to him. It would change your plans and that today, as you, re as you reflect on what he's done for you, I'm praying that he would give you opportunity this week to proclaim his greatness, not just to him, but to other people this week as you go through your life. Father, in your name, Jesus, we just thank you for how good you are. I just had, I've had a week this week of just remembering so many things that you've done in our life, God, as, as a family and in our lives as a church. I thank you that you are good and that you've touched us, God, and because of that, our, our plans are different than we ever thought that they would be. I pray for those that just raised their hands. Maybe they're a two or a three. Maybe, it's, maybe they're a nine, and they're like, I don't want to be a nine. I don't want to be a ten. One, help them with their perfectionistic tendencies. And a two, give them a ten. Fill them with gratitude, God. I pray that our hearts would burst to tell of the good things that you've done for us. And as a result, many people, God, in our families, in our city, in our county, everywhere we go, at school tomorrow, where we go to work, in the classroom, God, wherever we find ourselves, that people would be drawn to the gratitude that they sense in us and that that would give us opportunity to tell them how great you are. It's in your name that we pray these things, God. Amen.